Welcome to the Good People Podcast, where each episode we explore what it means to be good by talking to everyday heroes, philanthropists, altruists, and do-gooders. I'm Kelsey Timmerman, author of Where Am I Giving?, a global adventure exploring how to use your gifts and talents to make a difference. So today, I'm Jayless, so my co-host is not here today. He's in an airplane somewhere flying home. He actually just sent me some photos from his flight back to Indiana, and I didn't realize Indiana had so many lakes. So we've had a crazy wet spring, um, and they aren't really lakes. They're just flooded fields, and it's been really tough for the farmers to get their crops in this year. So uh, our climate is nuts right now right like global weirding is in full effect and this is a topic that i'm going to be getting into that we're going to be getting into on this podcast uh in the future into a lot more um but for now i don't want you to think about the present or the future but the past specifically think about the first time you stepped foot into a guidance counselor's office what did he or she tell you Did they imagine a future for you or did you imagine it for yourself? So I remember the guidance counselor's office um, and it wasn't like, hey, you can go around the world and meet people who make your clothes and food and people who give and that could be your job. Like that that was never – I don't think it was in the book. Um, But I remember his office and I remember all those banners on the wall from different schools and they all represented leaving my small town. So they were all appealing, yet I was rather listless and apathetic because I was 17. I think you were allowed to be listless and apathetic at 17, right? So I I really couldn't imagine my future, and I only applied to one school. And the school I applied to was where my brother was at school, at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. And my guidance counselor warned me that I probably wouldn't get in. But I did. And when I graduated from college, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Like some of us never know. That's what I love about what I get to do. Like I get to explore a bunch of different worlds and experience them firsthand. I've sort of made a life of being undecided in in many ways, which kind of brings us to today's guest. So he signed with a major recording label in his teens. He was on a hit MTV show. He has worked with Ariana Grande. No doubt he was a failure in the eyes of his guidance counselor too. And today's guest is Nick Gross. And he's an entrepreneur and philanthropist who founded Find Your Grind, a unique combination of educational products, an online discovery platform, and live events that accelerate connections to purpose and lifestyle discovery worldwide. In conjunction with Find Your Grind, Nick has built the FYG Foundation, which helps bring to life radical dreams of positive change through experiential learning and connection. Nick also serves on the board of the Gross Family Foundation, drums for an alternative pop rock band, Half the Animal, and is the founder of Gross Labs, The Noise Nest, as well as Big Noise. We don't even get into half the things that Nick Nick does, so I don't even know what some of those things are. Um, but here's what I want you to know. So Nick grew up in Laguna Beach, and, and he grew up on MTV's Laguna Beach show. In many ways, Nick won the lottery, right? Affluent family, big breaks, some celebrity status. But here's the thing about actual lottery winners. Sometimes it's the worst thing 
that ever happens to them. So I looked, I looked at the stats before. I actually, back in the day, wanted to write a book called Luck Me about the, about the luck industry, right? About these false dreams that were given from the lottery or through the cereal box or the scratch-off tickets or the McDonald's Monopoly game. Has anyone ever won that game? Anyhow, this is, this is off topic. But, um, so, but, the, but money actually does buy some happiness to a certain level. Um, it's just that it will only buy so much happiness, right? So economists Angus Deaton and psychologist Daniel Kahneman found that earning an income beyond $75,000 per year would not add significantly to an individual's happiness. So anything past $75,000, probably not really going to add to your happiness a whole lot. I think it probably depends on where you live, right? $75,000 per year is enough in some places, but in other places uh, where it's a lot more expensive to live, maybe that. So I think it – who knows? I don't get into – I didn't dive real deep into this stat. So just just bear with me. I'm not writing a book here. I'm just, I'm just introducing a podcast. Get off my back. So let, let's say um, – so you win the lottery of life, right, and the actual lottery. Um, it's not a ticket to happiness and fulfillment. So what do you do with your own life? That's why I'm really pumped for you to hear Nick's story. So his parents got him engaged in giving when he was a kid. He had 4 a.m. hockey practices. He dedicated himself to drumming. Not all of his peers had the same experience. Money gives you a lot of reasons to avoid challenging things, to avoid struggle, but it also gives you a lot of reasons to make a difference. I hope you enjoy this chat with Nick Gross. Nick, welcome to the Good People Podcast. Thanks for coming on. Kelsey, dude, thank you so much, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on this amazing podcast. So you're up to all sorts of things. What, what have you been up to today? Like, what was this morning like? Man, oh man, this morning was awesome. Uh, I, I get up at 6.30. Um, I try and get up earlier. It's been a challenge every single day to try and beat the, the 6.30 to the 6.15 to the 6, you know, but I'm, I'm slowly working on it. Uh, used to be really good at it my ice hockey days I used to play ice hockey so it used to be the 4am practices but oh my gosh trying to get back to there but yeah this morning was amazing got on my Peloton bike did a nice little 30 minute class there and um took a nice shower ate some good breakfast and I'm talking to you man yeah Yeah. I'm in I'm in Los Angeles it's it's about 75 degrees today it's it's a great life out here yeah well I'm in Indiana if I look outside I see fields of corn well actually there's no <laughs> corn it's been so darn wet you know with yeah. the crazy climate that no one's how high you, know, corn. you could tell what's you could tell what season it is by how high the uh, corn is right yeah except right there's not gonna be any corn this year I don't think. <laughs> it's, it's kind of crazy yeah um, so you're involved in a whole lot of things uh, it's kind of daunting to decide where to start but uh, I'm really fascinated by um you know, in order to, to give back in a way that makes a big impact and, and, and sustains you and wants you to keep doing it, of, of finding the thing that makes you tick and finding your passion. And, and it seems to me like the Find Your Grind project definitely gets at that quite a bit. Can you kind of tell us more about what the finding, Find Your Grind is? Yeah, yeah definitely, man. Um, we started Find Your Grind. My wife and I were driving downtown in LA and we, we saw a wall that had graffiti on it that said Find Your Grind. And oh, we're like, awesome we got to do something about that. So we looked it up on Google. There was nothing that exists that said find your grind or any association in terms of a company. And so we were like, okay, boom, we got to figure this out and what it is. And so the first thing we did was look around at what we had access to. And uh, we knew find the word, you know, the phrase find your grind 
was had to be something around impact had to be around something of of helping people on their journey and on their path and to discovery and being the best versions of themselves all that amazing stuff and so we started through my recording studio here in Los Angeles um, by bringing these uh, kids from these underserved communities um, in Los Angeles and Orange County to have these experiences at a recording studio and really started the Find Your Grind Foundation through that and started to create these mini activations with kids through my recording studio. It was that simple of just saying, hey, what do we have access to? It wasn't this grandiose, huge yeah. idea at, um, uh, at all. It was just like, let's let's... I really wanted to help support, um, you know, kids getting into alternative career pathways yeah. uh, in creative industries, you know, cause that's something that was really important to me growing up and I'm a drummer, I'm a musician, I'm, I'm around creative people all the time. And so, um, that's kind of, that was kind of the premise of, of where we started find your grind. And now it's really grown into this, um, uh, education platform and self-discovery platform really at its core where, we have live events across the country um, uh, in high schools and in colleges. We have these e-courses and curriculum that now live inside the education space um, that we've developed, which are, which are awesome. And uh, we've now developed this kind of 18 plus version of a Find Your Grind app um, that uh, is all about modern career choices and, and modern careers that exist today. Uh, and lifestyle paths to introduce people to to the breadth of what's out there and, and how to get started and um, and kind of learning from mentors and people who have started their own thing. Whether it's it's not necessarily about people who have created their own businesses, but it's a lot of that. But also about industries that exist today that might not have been around ten years ago that people just aren't aware of. You know, um, like look at the esports industry and how booming that's been the past ten years, but most kids and most young adults think that they have to be the best gamer to be involved in that space when really there's hundreds of opportunities to work inside the esports space. So we want to be a platform and kind of a roadmap that aligns people towards um, the breadth of opportunities that exist today. But most importantly, start with like who these people are at their core first, because yeah. I think a lot of the problem inside of schools um, and in general is like they're forcing kids to choose a job, um, you know, uh, gain a strength based upon what that job is and then hope that you enjoy the lifestyle that that enables you to have. And so what we want to do at Find Your Grind is really kind of flip that upside down to say, let's start with the life you want to live. You know, let's look at lifestyles that are out there today. And so we've um, kind of categorized these these 15 or 16 different lifestyle buckets through Find Your Grind, whether you're an explorer or an entrepreneur, a leader, a creator, and what do those lifestyles mean and what do those enable you to do? And then look at the strengths that you already have as an individual inside of you and then be able to live through your work through career. Um, and so we're kind of just flipping that, that, that triangle, I guess, upside down in a big way um, to find your grind. And that's kind of the, the core of, I guess, of where we're at today. Yeah. I took the assessment. I, maybe it takes like what, maybe five minutes, something like that. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, it, it, the current one takes about five minutes. We're shortening that one up for, um, you know, the shows we do on college campuses. We like to, we're going to, create a quicker version of that for kids to kind of get through it a little bit quicker. But yeah, it's been fun, man. It's pretty cool. Yes. What, what were your results? So I'm a 74% humanitarian, 71% explorer. So from now Accurate. on, I'm just going to be known as Kelsey Timmerman, humanitarian explorer. <laughs> I think that sounds pretty awesome. And that was the yeah. uh, close third, 70% thrill seeker, which yeah. Love so, it. Love it, man. Okay. That's, that's accurate. I think we're doing, we're doing our job. Yeah, I was, I was impressed with it. I, I enjoyed taking it and the questions that it that it asked um what what are you do you have you taken it in a while yeah, or has it been a while I, 
it's my core one is a creator. So okay. I think that makes sense for me. Um, I had an entertainer in there. Um, I had humanitarian in there as well, but I, I forget my other two. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've done, you've done all those things. So like you kind of like re you reverse engineer from lifestyle, right? So yeah. when you were, so you work with a lot of, um, uh, college students is it primarily college students yeah a lot of college students we started we, we started in the high school space so the past two years okay. has been in front of a lot of high school kids and so it's a um it's a it's a time it's a time in a you know a kid when you're 13 to 17 is at a different point in their life they're at a very important point in their life but it's different from when you're 18 to 22 and that 18 to 22 in college is really when you're oh shoot, what am I doing after college? I got to have this kind of figured out. And in high school, you're making the decision whether you're going to go to college or whether you're going to go straight into career from there. Yeah. Crazy enough, they're making kids now in seventh and eighth grade start to pick what type of job or what path they're going to be on, whether that's you know going into the workplace or going into college, which is insane to me. It's yeah. like you, can, you can't even drive a car, but you're expected to choose what job and path you're supposed to be on. So a big part of what we want to do to find your grind is just kind of alleviate that pressure and um, you know, hopefully align people on the right path, whether it's, whether it's college or whether it's straight into career, we kind of want to be that new roadmap. Yeah. So where were you when you were that age range, 13 to 17? And what did you imagine the future to be? Man? Yeah. I, I, I was, I think one of the luckier ones where I had really identified a skill and oh, had wow. identified yeah. a passion that was, that I loved, which was the drums and, and music. And so I started a band when I was 13 um, all throughout high school really grew that grew that band um, uh, to where all the kids would kind of come up to LA we'd bus we'd have like three Greyhound buses of kids that would come from Laguna Beach all the way to LA to watch us perform and it just kind of became this thing and so we were lucky enough to get a record deal through Sony Epic Records when I was in high school um, landed a show on MTV called MTV Laguna Beach which was the first kind of soft scripted reality show at the time oh, yeah yeah, yeah kind of combination of like opportunity and preparation kind of coming together to create this kind of luck, you know, which, which was me in high school. So I had a passion and an, an identity in school, which was really through the drums. And so that's what really got me excited to create Find Your Grind as well to, to know that feeling of like, Hey man, once, once you've really tapped into something you're great at, how, how meaningful that feels and, and, you know, it's just a good feeling. So I want other kids to be able to have that too, or other people to be able to have that same thing. Yeah. What a gift to find that at 13, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like many people never, never find that, right? We're still just yeah. trying to figure it out. Yeah, no, totally, man. And I, lucky for me, I had really supportive parents. You know, I had a really amazing atmosphere to where like, I got to watch my father grow his amazing business super early on. I got to have a ton of experiences like tr following him around tr through travel and getting to see different parts of the world. And like, you know, through, through him growing his business and, and watching my family grow the success of what we had grown, it was, um, it led me to believe that I could do that myself and like do whatever I wanted to, to be able to pursue whatever I want. I think, and that's just such a mentality thing of like, if you haven't seen anything and if you haven't had experiences and you haven't been able to kind of, you know, try things, it's like, it's so much harder to get on a path that makes sense for you. So I was lucky enough to have supportive parents and be able to look at what they had created for themselves to know that I had opportunity for myself to go create what I wanted. That was just my mentality growing up. Like I wasn't gonna, I was going to do exactly what I wanted to do and knew what I was great at and went for it, you know? So 
It was something completely different than what your parents exactly. were doing. I'm guessing. I'm, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Parents were were very much in the you know business, stock market, bond market, that type of financial world, and I was in this creative space. So definitely a, a polar opposite for sure. Yeah, one of the things that I think that really um, has driven me because I, I, you know, I've I've spent time in uh, in slum communities around the world and at dump sites where people live and kids collect trash for 25 cents per day and just like you see that and then then you kind of look at your own life and the privilege and opportunities and gifts that that we have and it feels like this i think for a long time i kind of carried around just this weight where you know that that awareness without acting to do anything about it just leads to guilt right and so how did especially growing up in the community that you grew up in which is a pretty affluent community you know, i mean a lot of opportunities whether it's from your family or the show or um how do you how how did that did that feel like a weight at all the that those opportunities does that feel like a, a weight or are you yeah it, it just it for me i guess i was kind of the opposite than most friends that i had growing up in a community like that where the weight would to me and the pressure to me was like, man, I want to not necessarily live up to what, um, to the success that my family was building. And I use that as kind of a, you know, an energy from, from my own, for my own self, which I view as a positive thing. But the weight to me was not wanting to be just not want, not having an opportunity just to coast and sit around because, you know, so many of my friends in Laguna beach never really to this day, haven't got out of Laguna beach because of how, easy of a lifestyle it is and parents that never push them to go do things or any of that stuff. So it's like, I, I, I really use that as a way to be like, man, I, I don't want people to define me by um, the place that I grew up in or, or whatever, having it be an affluent city to be able to kind of coast and whatever. I, that just made me have so much more drive to create the things that I wanted to create and be my own person, you know, but a lot of people that's the opposite effect to where it's like, it can become easy. You can coast, you can kind of just yeah. get through and, and you know, the parents will take care of it type of thing. I can't tell you how many stories there are that like that, that I know. So for me, it wasn't a weight. It was just more of like a, you know, a, a challenge to be like, man, I'm going to be my own person right out of the gate and have my own ad- identity and not be thought of as this kind of kid that can coast, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I think that has to be, um, I think it says a lot about, yeah, I, I thought about before about the, there was a lottery a couple years back that was like, I don't know what it was like a billion dollars or something. It was, it was like more, more resources than I could possibly imagine what to do with. And I'm like, man, if I won that lottery, would I get up the next day and do the same thing? And I, I like to think that I would, cause I, I love what I do, you know, I'd practically do it for free, but then I would have to actually get a real job. Um, yeah. But like, you know, the, without the the need to actually produce like an income and support my work, I'd be, com- be completely devoid of that of that drive. Would I still get up and do the same thing? And I don't know the answer to that question. And it sounds like, you know, m- many of the kids that you grew up with maybe have that option and, and, and didn't break through with the drive to continue yeah. on and wage their own way. So what do you think that drive, I mean, was something just inborn or was you know, it? I think it's a lot of everything, man. And like, I, I really, 
I really view the, you know, you hear this a lot, but I really believe in the process over, you know, like you said, would I wake up and do something different for me? I would say no, you know, if I had the money or the most things or whatever, any of that stuff, you know, it wouldn't change the fact that I enjoy the process and, and the drive inside of me that allows me to go through this process on a day, day by day and create businesses and create, you know, create things for myself and create things for the world. Um, yeah, I think it has a lot to do really with DNA, how you're born. Are you a driven person? Are you not? I think there's a bit of that inside of you of like how you grow up and what you see and what you experience with what's around you as a young kid of whether you're being pushed to do something or whether you're allowed to kind of play video games all day. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I had parents that were very, um, driven and, 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 you know, had a hockey practice at four in the morning. And if I didn't hustle hard, I would be writing, writing essays at home of why I didn't hustle hard enough, literally like (laughs) parents would make me do that. So it was very intense, but, um, I also think drive also comes from finding something that you love and finding something that, you know, doesn't force you to get out of bed like you want to get out of bed because you found something that really drives you on the inside because you have a meaning and a purpose behind behind something you know and um so i think once you have that the drive comes from that you know um so it's not as i think it's a matter a little bit of both you kind of feel like some people have it more than others based upon their experiences and how they've grown up but also you know, the people who have really found something and have found meaning and have found purpose behind a mission or, or a business or an idea or whatever that is like a lifestyle um, that's going to drive you every single day. I think more than, more than how you've grown up. Yeah. So what do you see uh, students struggling with the most as they're kind of projecting out to the future, what their, what their lives could be like? Man, dude, it's, it's an interesting question. Like I just think the topic of, of teen suicide and like the rates of increase, like over the past two decades, you've seen a, 25% 25% increase in, in young suicide and young adults. And like that to me is just a staggering number, you know, and, and kind of where do those things come from? And I think a lot of it comes from this pressure of this idea of perfection, you know, and I think that that starts from a really, really young age of um, kids having to get the perfect grades to go to the perfect college to get the perfect job, which will in turn create the perfect life. Like that's how kids and young adults have been manufactured to think when in reality, I think we all understand now how much careers have changed um, in terms of technology and in terms of um, people starting their own careers and industries that are popping up, but also to the way people are being hired has changed. You know, it's not all about the diploma anymore. It's not all about the the college degree necessarily. Um, You know, more and more employers are giving kind of experience passion, culture fit, uh, a higher priority today. And so um, how can people understand how to be more adaptive, innovative, uh, better critical thinkers, better collaborators, um, better communicators and things that will probably matter more in 2050 or even 10 years from now than they do than they do today. And so I th- going back to your question, I mean, I think it's a lot about um, yeah, you know, like kids deal, I think, a lot with this perfection issue when you, whether it's through social media yeah. and, and, and especially in school, that's the first part of where you're being kind of through your parents, through your teachers, through your school system to be pressured to get these certain grades and these analytical 
data that define you as a human being, which, which really don't at the end of the day, in my opinion. And so you have that pressure from a very young age. Um, and then you also add in the social media of people always kind of posting these perfect scenarios in their lives and not really kind of diving into the other aspect of life, which is often very uh, difficult, but aren't, you know, aren't always shown in that light. Right. So I think kids deal a lot with anxiety, um, depression, obviously the suicide issue. And I think that's a huge factor in terms of how people are able to go through school. You know, it's like, I can't imagine being in high school and like having to go through, like there wasn't Instagram when I was in high oh, school. Yeah. yeah. So like, there wasn't any of these type of added pressures that there are today. And so, um, I have, a, I have a 10 year old daughter, right. And we're just about to wade into the social media waters in the next few years. I'm sure it's probably unavoidable. I saw LeBron James just allowed his son, Bronny, uh, to get his Instagram account. He's like okay. 16, nice. you know, nice. Oh, uh, shoot. Like 60. Wow. So he hasn't had an Instagram account up until. Up no. Uh, uh-uh. and then like the first day he's got one post and he's got like 200,000, followers yeah. but i mean he's been all over instagram because I, I i love basketball i don't know if you're a basketball fan or not but i am i am i'm i'm i'm, I'm shamelessly gonna say go raptors oh wow how about that <laughs> yeah right that's gonna be controversial where you live right it is it is, uh, it is. we i have some we work with some close people in toronto now with find your grind so i have to support toronto oh yeah yeah Kawhi leonard it's something else um I know. Yeah, uh, so we're getting ready to head into those waters. I don't know how I, I feel about that and how, how to guide her into that. Um, yeah. There's perfectionism. Um, I, I co-founded a nonprofit called The Facing Project. It's a community storytelling project, which um, communities choose a topic to face, and then they get matched with, uh, usually through nonprofit partners or organizations, they get matched with people who are facing that topic, get recruited, and they get matched with a, writing, a writer for like a writing team. And then they produce a story. And we've had projects all the way, all over the country. And one of the projects was from Davidson College, um, where it was like, it cost like, you know, 70 grand a year to go there. They, you know, the students get their laundry, up until recently, they had their laundry get, got done for them by the university. And, oh, wow. but it's really high performing students. And so they were doing a facing project and they chose perfectionism. And at first, I honestly I kind of rolled my eyes and I was like, this, that's kind of like the what you say at a job interview when someone's like, tell me about one of your weaknesses. Oh, I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. the project was really powerful. They, um, you know, from body image to, to sports to academics. Uh, and it was a really, really powerful project. I didn't quite realize how much pressure because I, you know, I grew up like my, my school was my high school was like literally in the middle of a cornfield. I would, at forty seven students, right? We had to drive your tractor to school day. So although there was those high school right. pressures, but there wasn't anything close to like one hundredth the time of what I think many students face today. Yeah, and I think just seeing all this stuff on social media and constantly comparing yourself to other people and all this stuff, it's like it it leaves little opportunity for you to understand who you are as a person and who you really want to become because you see all these other things and all these distractions. And so that's why I think it's important, you know, at least, and not to keep talking about find your grind, but really why I've started and why I believe in a core element of what we're doing is all about self-identity and self-discovery first and foremost to be like, who, who am I as a person to understand what, 
what careers make sense for me, what people I want to surround myself with, what lifestyles are out there that cater to me as a person. So I think going through that self-identity, like, um, you know, self-assessment process is huge in, in anything. And so the, the, the e-courses and curriculum we've created inside of schools really are all about addressing different stages of life. So real life skills based upon what stage of life you're at, you know, so kind of seven through eight, is going to be a lot different of a person or a student than you are when you're grade 11 and 12 and the yeah. things you need to know there. And so, but throughout the entire curriculum we've created, really the first unit out of all this is about self-identity and self-awareness and who I am as a person first, which I think will create less anxiety, at least in a person to yeah. know, man, like, okay, this is really who I am. This is what I like. All right. I feel good now to kind of know that I'm on a right trajectory and right path. Like that would have been huge for so many people I know growing up in my yeah. circle. And then, and then, so you have that, they start with the self and then they, then you eventually get to the place where you're projecting kind of skip over exactly what your career would be, but what, how do you want your life to be? Like what will make you happy? Right. And then you kind of connect the two in the middle. That's kind of how it works. Yeah, totally. It's like, yeah, we go into self-identity. The next process is, you know, looking at careers and modern pathways that people have created today. Um, And then lifestyle paths of, of what, what those mean. Do you want to travel around in a, in a tiny home and take pictures? Do you want to do stuff with your hands? Do you want to spend time with your family? Is family important to you, you know? And what are the careers that allow you to do those type of things that are important to your life to be able to live through your work? So it's really the core of what it is, you know? Yeah, it's interesting too, because I feel like that stuff for me has changed as I've gotten older, right? Like, you know, when I graduated high school, I wanted the hell out of the Midwest, you know? And I went to school, a college in the Midwest. And then once I graduated college, I just started traveling. And and, and worked as a scuba instructor, different places and never imagined that I would end up back, you know, in, in the Midwest, but now here we have kids and it's kind of home and I, w- I want to be closer to family. Right. It's amazing yeah. how that, it'd be interesting to see over time if they took the same assessment, how some of that yeah. could evolve. And we're, and, and we're doing that as well. You know, like you, you take your assessment at grade seven, that's going to be a lot different than you are at grade 12. But it's so true. You know, your lifestyle is going to change based upon your stage of life. So that's why I feel like it's so important to address stage of life, you know. So is the Find Your Grind, is it, uh, is, I know there's a Find Your Ground Grind Foundation. Is there a foundation and there's like a, a business arm of it? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So there's a foundation, which is really the core of where it started. And through the foundation now, we're really curating a lot of experiences um, for kids. And so we talk all about experience, experience, experience all the time. Um, with Find Your Grind. So through the foundation, we partner with other brands and organizations to, to, to give kids and young adults these experiences, which is a cool way to kind of tie in the foundation. And um, the now, yes, we do have a for-profit side to Find Your Grind that's, that's in the education space. It's kind of this ed tech business. Yeah. You know, I think that's something as people are trying to, if, if they're starting a new venture like this, kind of a, a social enterprise, I know for with the facing project, it was, uh, I started with a buddy and we were like, what is this? And we were just a, a LLC for a while because we weren't sure what it was and to fill out all the nonprofit paperwork, which is crazy, a lot of stuff, you know, and to figure that out, I'm not sure that we knew. So we kind of started the other end and then became uh, a nonprofit. Do you have any advice for people that are kind of in that balance trying to figure out which way to start? Dude, I think it's so, I think it's a really, uh, my partner, Mike Smith, says it really well. My, Mike Smith is one of the most amazing dudes ever. He's created an organization called The Bay, um, which is a 30,000 square foot coffee shop, concert venue, skate park wow. in Lincoln, 
Nebraska. Does, well, Lincoln, does all right. You had me. Yeah, the Lincoln, Nebraska part just really got me. That was good. Yeah, I know. It does most people, man. You're not, you're not the first. But I, mean, uh, I heard that all in like, you know, out in California. I'm like, oh, okay. But then Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, that's yeah dead center of the country. It has its benefits, um, pluses and minuses. But uh, yeah, so he, you know, he always says, listen, it's like, don't start a nonprofit just for the sake of starting a nonprofit. Like come with the idea and the reason and the meaning behind how you want to help create activations, go do things, um, you know, create the experience before you go around and, and think that you have to do the documents and the paperwork to create this official 501 C three, like just go do it because you want to do it and you want to help people and you want to create impact, you know, don't do it for the 501 status, you know, is yeah. my opinion and his. So. Well, that's the stuff I hate. I mean, the IRS working with all that stuff is the stuff that, you know, you don't get into doing this type of work just to, to do the administration stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. But it's part of the process too. You know, I think all sides are important, you know, to creating anything. It's like having the creative side and having the business side always helps. And some people are great at the creative. Some people are great at business. Sometimes you need both sides to bounce each other out, but yeah. Having a little bit of both, I think, is important. So you have successes early on as a musician. Um, you know, I'm sure that being on the show kind of helped build that too. What is the next? What is the next step for you then? Like, what is the next thing that you create? Uh, like that? as of, as of today, or back or back? No, no, then? back then. So like, you have your yeah. at first. You're just like, I'm gonna play the drums all yeah. day. It's what I do every day. And then, but then you started to explore other things to do. Yeah. Yeah. Through, through my Sony Epic um, experience there at the major label, I got to meet a ton of songwriters and producers through that, where they would pair us with different people to help us make music um, uh, for our band. And so I, I went off and started my own songwriting team at that point as well to where I, I partnered with two other people and started to create music for other artists, you know? And so I launched a small little studio out of, out of the back of this, this street called Beachwood Canyon. Um, it was a small little guest house that we rented. Uh, you could have kicked the door in and stolen every single piece of music equipment possible. Uh, thankfully we don't have that place now. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just, I was creating music for other artists, got some small placements with, uh, we were working with Ariana Grande at the time before she was what she is today. We did some stuff with Wiz Khalifa and some of the urban stuff, um, worked with this girl Zendaya for some Disney projects. So it was cool to be able to start to write for other artists. But then through that, I opened up um, a, a larger studio and started a recording studio business to where I started to bring other labels and management companies and publishers through the studio to kind of service their clients through that. And that really opened up the community side of music to where I got to meet a ton of people through that process and learn about the industry and just make connections and create a network, which I think is so important today too, for young people to understand that network is so key and and the people you know and the relationships you um you nurture are are all part of the process and so that was a big part to me to kind of just how coffee creates community around you know bringing people together so does music you know and so i looked at our recording studio as that as that coffee shop you know for us and so um that was my next step man and from there ironically enough i i started i signed my first artist to a record deal um and i started to think what are other ways that i can you know, uh, help this artist grow in her career outside of just supplying resources and marketing and the distribution and kind of these, uh, you know, standard things you hear about with a label, what can we do to be different? And so I started to look at different early stage 
companies in the technology space knew nothing really nothing about it at all i just knew that i wanted to be a part of different things outside of music and see where that led me and so um i started to work with four or five different of these tech companies and um raised a small bit of money to be able to go out and 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 invest in these companies to help these artists that i was signing on the label side grow into other areas you know and think of it more of this kind of 360 ecosystem and, and content platform for artists and and people to grow their, their 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 personal brands i guess in a sense right and so that's a lot of now where we're at um at gross labs which has been my company for the past two years it's really a a media conglomerate you know of, of different businesses that i've been a part of or businesses that i've created and started whether that's um we're operating them or whether we've invested in them, uh, it's really that, you know, to be able to help people, entrepreneurs, businesses, musicians grow their brands through the breadth of opportunities we have inside of Gross Labs. And so we're doing amazing things now with, with gaming. Um, we, we're doing stuff, obviously, in the education space through Find Your Grind. We're doing stuff in live events uh, through a company I have called Big Noise, which um, is creating kind of these festivals in the music and lifestyle uh, side of things. So it's great, man. It's like, just, I, I want to be able to create stuff to be able to plug and play different, um, things, you know? So, so you it's kind of just walk into gross lab. Is that, was that where you go every day? Most of the time is gross labs. Yeah. And then there's all yeah. these projects that you kind of been a part of, or just kind of like doing their own thing when you walk in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool, great. man. I, I got the inspiration from Rob Deerdick, who has been an entrepreneur and professional skateboarder, had a show called Robin Big on MTV at the same time I kind of had my show on MTV. And so he, he, when I walked into his space, it's kind of this, it's this skate, he built the skate park inside of his office. Mm. So it was like, you literally <laughs> go through a skate ramp inside of his, his office and come out the office wow. and go up the other side. It was like this like insane playground that he had well, created skate to accounting. <laughs> That's exactly right. Which was so cool and created a TV show around that. And so he had a, just a ton of different businesses inside of there as well that were all kind of working synergistically together to provide a wider platform of opportunities for, for the things he was involved with. So I always really enjoyed that model and thought it was, it was interesting. And I've been somebody that's really wanted to kind of have my hands in a lot of different things and not just silo myself into one thing in case that one thing doesn't work out. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how I, I, I got the idea of creating this media conglomerate um, slash entertainment company, you know? Yeah. So how do you evaluate and decide who you, whether it's a nonprofit organization or an artist, like who, who you want to invest your time and resources and efforts into? It's a good question, man. I, I think for me, what's really helped is building a right team around me to help me make those decisions and give the time and energy that that these different areas need i couldn't do it all on my own i definitely could not at this point there's probably you know like four core businesses that we were actually operating um inside of gross labs but um there's upwards of 40 plus companies now we've invested in which we give time to as well but not the amount of time that we're actually um working on with our core businesses inside but um, it's really comes down to the team and, and having a great support system. I've, I've, I've learned a lot from bringing on people into my circle and into the fold that people who haven't provided the best value for me and just kind of learning who the right people are to get into business with and how important that is. Cause I spent a lot of years with people that have kind of pulled me back instead of pushed me forward. And so my goal over the last two, three years was like, okay, let's take a step back and 
really look at um, and, and align myself with the, the right people who have done this before, whether it's in the music industry, whether it's in the education space, stuff that I'm doing now, I want to learn about it through the lens of people who have had success. So I, that's been really important to me is just to find the right people. And, you know, for people out there who are like, how do I find the right people and do the thing? I think it comes down to so much of like your energy and your passion and your vision for what you want to do and accomplish. Like for me, I'm definitely not the expert in any of these areas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm slowly learning every single day to be better and better and better in, in all of them. But like I was the guy, like, why would I have an education company? I was the guy in high school that like could not stand school. I didn't go to college. It like was not my thing, but now I have an education company. Yeah. But I passionately about it because it was something for me that didn't resonate. So I want it now to resonate for other people in a way that it didn't for me. And I think that comes through the tools that we create inside of schools. So yeah, man, I think it comes from energy, passion, having a desire and a vision for what you want. And I think the right people and ideas come to you from that. You know, I think that's an important part of it. Yeah, because that's one thing I think about the you know my different areas of pursuit. You know, the, the writing books and traveling around is a very solo thing, right? It's just and yeah. I, I I don't mind that. I like to head down, kind of work on my own thing. But then other things that I've created just build mo- have momentum, and other people have to get involved. But then there's still some things like, well, how do I scale? I know I can. I know I can do this. And how do I like scale my time or? or bring someone else on to to do that. And that's kind of a complex step at times. It really is. It really is. And then, yeah. And then you get into managing teams once you actually have people, which is even harder (laughs) to deal with people's actually managing expectations and the whole thing. It's it's a process, man, but it's fun. It's a journey. You learn, you learn along the way, you know, and and you figure out the right timing for you. I saw that uh, you're also involved in your family's foundation. Yeah, I yeah, I have I have been since I was a, a little kid, man. Like Oh wow. I've been so fortunate to have a family that has focused on giving back um to the community and having that be a priority for them and learning through that has been amazing. At 6 years old, I was kind of going down to different organizations in in Laguna Beach and in my community to see what thing like what I was excited about and it'd be here's $100 for the year to go give to that, do the research, meet the people, go down there. Wow write the check. So I was doing that like literally when I was, I think seven or seven or eight probably. Um, so that was just kind of instilled in me, but it, you know, when I turned 18, I was like, I want to start to create something that's more catered to my interests and who I am as a human being. Yeah. And as much as I love to go out and support the, the animal shelter in Laguna, like let's go create something around my interests. And so that's how find your grind really started. Yeah. From that. But yeah, man, I, awesome to kind of grow up in that environment for sure. That's right. I mean, because uh, as uh, you know, I've done some research on, on how we give, right? And that uh, we give about two, Americans are the most generous with their income. We give about 2% of it per year, more generous than any other nation. But, um, you know, 40% of that 2% goes to religious institutions, which could be, well, who knows? Um, you know, very, uh, like, very small, I think, what is it, like, um, I think 5%, 2% goes to international organizations. And, and, but overall we spend like just a few minutes a month evaluating on where we should give. You know, I was recently talking to uh, a group of retired individuals in our community and they were like, well, what do I do when I get these things mailed to me from different organizations? Should I give to them? I'm like, no, you, you should never give to something because you just got it in the mail. You should never right. give to someone because they call you, it needs to be much more intentional than that. And it sounds like, 
you were way ahead of the curve and your parents were on, on that six years old. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome, man. It was definitely um, a blessing to be a part of that um, environment. You know, and my, like, I really do believe it's like we all, it sounds very cliche or whatever, but it's like we all want to grow to our highest potential so that we have the ability to give. Truly believe in that, you know, and I think that's an important thing to for all people to kind of understand is like, man, I've the process of giving has been something that for me early on has been so key, you know, to be able to to also grow, you know, so it's been very cool. And one thing I, I struggle with too is do I give, you know, so the facing project is this un, own nonprofit and do I, when do I support other organizations outside of that? Do you like, do you support more organizations than just the one that you created or uh, how do you find that balance? Yeah, I, it's a good question, man. I mean, I think it's like you go down back down to do, do what you can, you know, yeah. uh, do what you can do what you feel comfortable with and what makes sense to you and, and manage that process for yourself, you know? Um, yeah. I, I, it's, I, I think it's, it's both important to, to, if you want to be able to grow your own thing and do your own thing, of course do that. But uh, yeah, I think it's important to support other things too, because I think once you start to get out there and in, in, in terms of looking at other things that you might want to support, you never know how those things can come back to you as well. And yeah, I think it's not, it's important not to just be siloed. Like I said earlier, you know, it's like expand your reach as much as you can yeah. to get out. I went through this period of like where I volunteered probably too much, all sorts of different organizations. And then, oh, wow. and then it kind of made me realize, like, I think that there's a, like a better way that I can give. I think there's a way more suited for my skills, right. And my interests that I can make an impact, which led to writing stories. Cause that's what I do already. Yeah. Um, so uh, what's, what is this called? The, and then in the vision section of uh, gross labs, there's uh, just a couple statements here. I don't know exactly what these are called. Um, I guess probably just vision statements, like practice like you play. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to read these. I love them. Dream crazy. Mind, body, soul before business and money. Understand how you want to leave your legacy. Reimagine the system for the 21st century. That's one thing I feel like we don't, we don't think much into the future on anything, right? We're a very short-term now, quarterly profit, kind of culture and what does that mean for the future us and our kids and um well nothing, my favorite, worse, nothing yeah. worse to me man than like a manufactured society that stuff freaks me out hardcore like yeah. for people to think outside of the box it's like dude we all have the capability to be so unique and like think outside of the box and create what we want it's just like you're manufactured to be this way from the gate, from school, you know, and that's where it starts, you know, that's why I think it's so important to help with school, but then yeah. also beyond that, like just to be your own thinker, man, it's like life short. I, I, that really bothers me being, having this kind of manufactured way of thinking was never about it. But you know, you step off the path and, and I don't know if you experienced this as well. I'm sure you did that. You step off a path of doing something a little bit different and there's a whole host of people saying, Hey, no, you're supposed to get back on this path and here's what you should be doing at this yep. stage of your life. Did you experience some of that? Yeah, I mean, I did. I, I guess I did from my, my mom, you know, she was a very, she's very conservative and her, the, her, her idea for me was, hey, you got to go to college now after high school, like what's this BAM thing? But she also realized that we were having like, you know, credible success and like having real record deals and th there was a business behind it. So she realized that as well. So there, there wasn't really a lot of, I feel like, you know, I spent, I think, 
five weeks at, at college. Um, we had our deal two weeks before I started. So I was kind of in this balance of like, what yeah. am I doing? Never resonated with kids that were in colleges or in the fraternities and all that stuff. And I think they kind of looked at me as this kind of outsider as well, but I was stoked to be that guy. I was like, dude, I'm, I believe so strongly in what I want to do and just want to be my own person. And I, I, I think people who do that are the people who make real change in the world. So like, go do that. Life's short, you know? Yeah, often what makes us different is what helps us succeed, right? And it sounds like yeah. that's definitely the case. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I love this one too. Chase stories, not stuff, which seems like that's something that you've been. Uh, yeah, that's a good one, man. That's, that's, that, that I credit to Mike Smith. Mike Smith, my partner in Find Your Grind, really is, came up with that one. And um, it is important, right? You create your experiences, create your stories, create your legacy. Um, don't chase stuff. I feel like, especially millennials, right? Get into the 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 stuff, the money, the cars, the clothes, the the stuff that doesn't really matter, but allows you to kind of have this forward facing uh, thing about you that I I don't know. I, I've never cared about that stuff. <laughs> I don't know why people do, but it's important to people. Like money and stuff is important. So yeah, chase stories, not stuff. I think it creates a spark in people to be like, oh, shoot, okay, that's that's kind of cool. So how old are you now? I'm thirty. I'm thirty okay. now. I'm I'm in my 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 dirty thirties, my man. Oh, here, how about that? That's about the age where I'm forty. I just turned forty, and it's I think thirty is the age where I could remember my parents being thirty, and yeah. then I I could remember being my kids' age. And then it's suddenly like the circle of life starting to happen. <laughs> no, what is happening? Because in I my twenties, I was invincible. You know, it's going to oh, last forever. You know, twenties, I was invincible. I, I like to say I was, I, God, nineteen to twenty two, twenty three. I was in my valley of, the valley of darkness. We call it. My wife and I call it the valley of darkness. I, I met my wife when I was nineteen. Okay. 20 believe and we're 30 now and so we met each other when we were in the valley of darkness having a lot a lot of fun that's what that means <laughs> and well, that's amazing. the other side yeah that's, that's great when you can i married my high school sweetheart too or yeah. we go in high school together it doesn't sound like but it's amazing that you you know when you grow together you, you stay together like you continue to grow as people and sometimes people grow apart and sometimes people grow closer together and it sounds like yeah. you that you all have done that so when you're, when you're driving and you see, find your grind, did it, had you even had these like, um, kind of altruistic thoughts of, of helping, um, kids find their path in the world or was it literally just the words first? And then you're like, what, what am I going to do with this? It, it came from an altruistic thought first, yeah. you know, it was like, for me, it was always, let me help young people define who they are and get them on a right trajectory so that they don't have to waste time, waste money, get into debt and help people set up their lives in a, in a better way that is possible. You know, that, that's, that was where I was coming from. And and around that time, literally, I think that's when we drove past find your grind. It was like, Oh shoot, this is, this is having those thoughts. Isn't it amazing when you start to have stuff starts to stew in there, like then you just bump into things and all kind of shapes yep. and flows. It comes yeah. to you, man. Like I, I believe in the power of manifestation in a huge way. These are all things you hear a lot about today, but when I am a firm believer in that, I've been able to like think about and process what I want and the vision I, I have and like watch those things kind of come into my life. That's happened countless times. And so how do you do that? Are you, is it something that you write down or is it something that you, I was, I was religiously writing stuff down as a young kid in high school. I would have notebooks of stuff that I would write down goals, 
aspirations, things I wanted to have in my life, like literally to the point where I'd put myself in like the same situation. Like my favorite band growing up was Blink-182. I used to love, still do, Travis Barker on the drums and would watch all of his videos in TRL inside that window where he would play with Blink-182. What a cool experience. Um, watched those videos religiously, put myself in those shoes. And two years later, we got to close out TRL like in the same window as an 18 year old. So like I, I've had a lot of really interesting scenarios like that on a big level happen yeah. to me and, and um, I'm not ashamed about it. I'm, I'm proud of it because it's, I believe in it, like focus on it, put your, put as much energy and, and time and attention, write things down, yeah. know your goals, know where you're headed, I think, and, and let the universe do the rest. I literally just posted this today. I was at a writing conference in 2006. This is before, you know, I wouldn't even tell people that I wanted to write because it was, you know, people like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. And, but inside I was a writer and there was a, a guy at this workshop that had like uh, doing a business plan for your writing career. And one of the questions was, what was the highest good that your writing can achieve? And here's what I wrote. Help expand the worldview of readers and inspire them to set out on their own travels and seek their own adventure have a positive impact on less fortunate people to write about, bring awareness and shed light on situations and processes that are socially difficult so that readers actively help alleviate problems. And it's like, holy shit, like that's kind of what I, that's still, that's still it today. Yeah, amazing, man, yeah. And I, I don't necessarily think that writing that down like made it just appear, but like that's what you do when you're focused on a thing, right? Then you, I was at a conference for that, you know, um, that you, it's just a step of one of the things that you do when you're trying to build that as your life. It's so true, man. And, and there's so many times where I don't want to go out and do the thing or meet the person or take the meeting or whatever. And I think when you mentioned the, Hey, going to the conferences and doing that stuff, it's like, I know we all sometimes don't want to go take the flight or go make the journey, but I, nine times out of 10, I'd say probably 10 times out of 10 after those experiences are over. I'm so thankful that I went and actually went and did that and put myself out there, even if it was something I didn't want to do. Um, so, you know, I'd encourage, uh, you know, people who are listening to, if you don't feel like going and doing something, try and always do it, try and always put yourself out there to, to, and you never know what's going to happen and come to you. You know, it's all about building the energy. It's a whirlwind of energy that can kind of build and build and build and start to pop out the right opportunities for you. So yeah. Great. Is there, is there anything else you'd like to, to touch on? No, man. I just, yeah, I, I, I love what you're doing, man. I, I, I really uh, appreciate you having me on, man. I, I love getting able, able to come on these things and talk about find your grind and talk about what we're doing. And um, I I'm really all about helping people figure out, you know, who they are, where they're going and how to get there. It's, 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 we're in a time now that's really, that's really needed, I feel like. And um, these type of podcasts definitely do that. So stoked for what you're doing, man. And would love to have you on our uh, Find Your Grind podcast. As well. Oh, man, I'd love to be on it anytime. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Gross, man, you're definitely good people. Thanks for coming on. Dude, thank you so much, man. Thanks for listening to the Good People Podcast. Special thanks to my friend Jay Mormon for co-hosting and to Cliff Ritchie for the great tunes. You can listen to Cliff on Spotify or find him at cliffritchyart.com. Let's keep the good going. Please share, rate, and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. Visit kelseytimmerman.com slash goodpeople to find show notes, suggest guests, learn more about my books, and tell us about the good you are doing in the world.